with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper! The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across it. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go on Family FM, recording inside Canal Street Studio. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Of course, happy holidays. This will be our last episode of 2018, so we got a lot to discuss, a lot to go over. But of course, we really hope that you are spending all the time that you need to with your family enjoying the holiday season because it is a season of giving. And of course, what could be better than that? We've got a interview with Mark Krikorian, the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. They, of course, just won the national championship. A tremendous accomplishment, what they were able to achieve. And of course, it's a great interview. We're happy to bring that to you later on in the show. But first, if you don't know already, you know, Girls Soccer Network is really, really hot right now in terms of content, social media, uh, our merch, everything. Go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And of course, on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net and Instagram at Girls Soccer Network. So everything that is hot in the in the world of women's soccer that's going on right now, you need to go there as soon as possible. So just to give you a quick rundown of what we have going on on today's show, the preliminary list of NWSL players is out for the draft in terms of college players. Uh, a lot of off-season news, plenty going on in the NWSL world. Uh, what else? What else? Of course, the W League the FAWSL, we've got one or two stories. A very um, huge accomplishment for women like Lydia Williams, Jessica Fishlock, Lisa Devana, all that stuff. And a lot of social media and lifestyle stuff today. A lot has been going on in women's soccer. And, of course, we're going to discuss all of it right now. So we start with, as I mentioned, the preliminary list of eligible players for the NWSL draft is out. Here's four names that you should definitely keep your eye on. And, of course, uh, the next episode, which I believe will be January 5th, uh, that's right before the NWSL draft in Chicago on the 9th and the 10th. So we will be bringing you all of that coverage leading up to the draft. But four names to keep your eye on. Caitlin Farrell, of course, a player who we have talked about numerous times here on the show. A, a star, really, in the making, a, a flat-out offensive star for Georgetown this past year, a forward. So if your team is looking for uh, some help up top, she's going to be a name that you likely hear go early on. Samantha Lishnak of uh, North Carolina, the goalkeeper, uh, they made it all the way to the final, obviously. She's been a solid keeper for them for a long time. Ali Prisak of USC, the defender, 
She is definitely going to be a top five pick. If you're looking for a plug-and-play defender on your roster, any team that needs defensive help is going to be uh, looking into her. I would say Sky Blue, if they have an opportunity. I have yet to, again, go over the the order, but Sky Blue surely are going to factor in in that top five. So Ali Prisak is going to be a name you will hear go very early in the draft. And CC Kaiser out of Ole Miss, a midfielder hybrid with – hybrid in terms of a forward as well uh her work rate is incredible a player where in the sec you know kind of got lost with old miss didn't necessarily have the best team around her but she's a player who will be um scouted heavily leading up to the draft so those are four names to really keep your eyes on uh leading up to the draft and uh yeah as we get into nwsl news uh, some interesting moves. The Seattle Reign have been tremendously busy. Uh, they traded a first-round pick for Darian Jenkins. The Courage, the North Carolina Courage, uh, the rich just simply get richer uh, because they now have three picks in the top 14 and four picks in the top 36 of the draft. So uh, with how they scout their players and how they, they have a general vision for how they want to build their team, they are going to get a lot better this draft. Uh, already Heather O'Reilly will be working her way into the team as well. So uh, if the the Courage have a tremendous opportunity to repeat what they did last year, uh, depending on how the draft goes. But for Seattle, uh, it's one of those high-risk, high-reward type trades because if they can get the best out of Darian Jenkins, knowing what she brings to the table, if they can get if they can get her to really reach her her full potential then it's a it's a deal that makes a lot of sense but there is nothing unfortunately that she's been able to do since she's come into the league really to to suggest that she was worthy of a first round pick so uh, we're gonna have to see who wins this trade but for right now at first glance the courage come away aces with with some of the picks that they have acquired assets is the key word that you're going to hear the more assets you can compile the more you have in terms of being able to trade not trade develop players so the courage again in terms of how to run an organization they are a it's just a master class really over everyone else in the league right now but the rain also made uh some big moves and were able to re-sign three very key players to their roster Kristen mcnab a very versatile defender who can play in the midfield as well. She's been an important part of their success. Morgan Andrews, pick out of USC, who's been highly touted for a while. She's also an important player. And Jasmine Spencer, nice to see uh, that she got a contract extension and they were able to re-sign her because, again, she has been killing it down in Australia. So a lot to look forward to for Seattle going forward to re-sign those players. But in terms of... Yeah, we will see with that Darian J Jenkins trade, uh, trading for her. But Seattle looking like they have a their spine and their core of players in place. The question is, can they get better moving forward in, in attack and in defense? Do they have that extra cutting edge to be able to beat North Carolina? And it's crazy to me right now because in the NWSL, you'd think that with so many moving pieces, someone would have to understand like one of those top teams would have to understand that they have to make moves immediately in order to get better and surpass the courage. But everyone must seemingly be content with who they have on their roster in terms of developing talent because you have to look at the overall just 
when you look at the overall talent on these rosters, there's no one who can compete with the courage at the moment. No one. And so to see no one else really making a splash in this offseason, I mean, there, some players are going to have to get, I mean, some teams are going to have to get going and, and really kick it into gear. Otherwise, it's going to be more of the same going into next year in the NWSL. Now, Chris Henderson on Twitter pointed out the stats guy. I, I refer to him a lot. Uh, two weeks leading up to the draft and Orlando and Washington, the pride and the spirit still don't have head coaches, like full-time head coaches. And that's not a good look. Like, let's be honest here. Like, how can we have our league, the NWSL, be as legit as possible? We need it to be as legitimate as possible. But, you know, coaches have to be involved in that drafting process for the team that they want to build. You know, it's how the Courage have been able to to maintain this vision from from front office, from back office to front office, to the coaching staff, right? Everything is in sync. And if Orlando and Washington are unable to, to make a hire before, then uh, I do not uh, envy whichever coach, coach is they decide to bring in. Um, the other question is, I mean, are these jobs not lucrative or attractive enough here in America? I mean... There has to be some coach out there at the college level, at, at the international level, who wants to take on this challenge. There has to be someone because it's unfortunate, but college coaches, I'm sure, at big-time programs are happy and content. They get paid more than enough money. They have all the autonomy in the world to make whatever decisions they need for their programs, whereas that is not necessarily the case at, at, the, at the professional level. And there's so much more bureaucracy and office politics that go on behind the scenes. You have to think, like, some college coaches, like, at least one big name has to want to come and take one of those jobs. I mean, Orlando, to me, is a great job. Who... Somebody, some coach needs to be entering their name to go and and work some magic with Alex Morgan and Marta and all those other players, Alana Kennedy, uh, Rachel Hill. We'll see how she does because she's obviously doing great as well over in Australia. They have such good pieces. Washington, the young talent. Who doesn't want to go? Or is it or is it the organization's not looking hard enough? Uh, a lot to, to look at you know internally for the league because more has to be done uh leading up to the draft um to to put so much onus on management in order to draft players without a head coach building the kind of team that they want to build it's going to be tough it's going to be tough sledding so uh, again tough for the nwsl to not have coaching positions filled Th that should be the number one priority right that should be the, the key to success, you need to have a leader, someone who is going uh, to run the ship and run a tight ship uh, to start the year and, and to be able to implement their system as soon as possible. Okay, this is, this is too much. Okay, well, uh, again, very excited about the NWSL season. Uh, cannot come back soon enough. We are hoping, uh, you know, as soon as possible, Right, we we have to wait for for as long as we have to, but the draft will be a fun time. So many college players' dreams will be realized, and um, it's it's a special time uh, for for women's soccer to to have players enter the league that they have uh, 
been wanting to be a part of for so long. Like the the highlight last year, right, was Imani Dorsey uh, out of Duke, pick a sky blue, who said, yeah, she could not wait. She drove drove over to the draft at, at like 3.30 in the morning. She just couldn't wait to get there. So you can imagine how excited some of these college players will be heading into the draft. In other news, Christine Sinclair named Canadian Player of the Year for the 14th time. I mean, is there anyone who was ever going to come close to her, right? There is no way anyone in Canadian soccer history is going to come anywhere close. 177 goals in 274 appearances. No one's going to be able to touch that uh, ever. And she's one of the best to ever do it. So congratulations to her. One of just the more consistent players that you will find in the world. Still doing it at a high level. She just continues, continuously finds ways to adapt her game. And, uh, yeah, last year was almost a renaissance year for her, for Portland. Uh, the goal-scoring form that she was in. And we'll see what she's able to do for Canada as uh, the World Cup uh, is coming this summer. Who knows how many more World Cups she'll be able to play in, but you can guarantee she's going to be there in 2019 in France. Now, I mentioned earlier, uh, in terms of head coaches, the Houston Dash have named a new head coach. James Clarkson is the man to come in to take over. He joins the Dash after more than a decade with the Houston Dynamo Academy, most recently served as the Director of Youth Development and saw the creation of the Dynamo Academy program in 2007. Now, it's a great move to keep somebody inside the club who's been a part of the club, and I understand that the Dash want to maintain a level of continuity that, that I've especially been mentioning and, and a level of culture that you're trying to establish, but the lack of coaching experience here for James Clarkson is a little bit of a head-scratcher to be taking over a professional-level team at the moment, especially when the Dash still have yet to make a playoff appearance uh, this definitely seems more like a long-term move than, than a short-term move, but, you know, we'll see how, how this pans out. I hope that Houston is able to really get it done, and, uh, you know, with the, with the talent that they have, right, the young talent, we'll see if he can continuously develop the South Africans who are there, whether Kaylee Ojai and Rachel Daly's development uh, continues and they continue to get better, so... A lot to look at for the Houston Dash, and we'll see if it if it works out for them. Uh, but yeah, again, someone who is not very, uh, you know, not a big name that you would hope. I mean, that's what's going to make this league better. We need the big name coaches, right? You, Vladko Andonovsky and and Paul Riley just got their USA coaching licenses after a year of hard work. I mean, they have established themselves as and and I get it. Look, Vladko Andonovsky has. You know, he's coached you know, in, in America for a long time. So has Paul Riley. They have experience with um, this whole American-style circuit. They understand t talent here in America and, and, and how to develop them, how, how to build a team that way. And they've had tremendous amount of success. So we'll see if this works out for the Houston Dash moving forward. Okay, it is that time of the show, interview time. And... Uh, of course, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Mark Krikorian of Florida State, uh, really grateful to get the opportunity to speak with him and really just talk about how he was able to, tr you know, build this Florida State program from where he was previously at both Franklin Pierce, 
the University of Hartford. He also had experience with the under-19 women's national team. So all of that on that interview and more. Uh, enjoy, guys. Uh, Coach, it's been a couple of weeks since you and your staff were able to, to guide Florida State to a second national championship. Congratulations. Thank you. Have you taken some time to truly appreciate this accomplishment, or is it already full steam ahead to next year? Well, to be honest with you, by the time we got back following the, uh, the final, it was uh, quite late, and then um, we had one day here in, in Tallahassee, and the administrative group uh, threw together a fantastic um, uh, ceremony and uh, celebration for the team, and then myself and my staff were off recruiting on Tuesday. So um, we've kind of been on the run, but uh, that, that time to uh, um, have some, uh, some, some time for ourselves, that's coming. That's coming in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And would you say this second national title was, was a little bit sweeter considering you guys were able to beat Stanford and then North Carolina, or would you rank it as, as, as the same as the first one? Well, in that regard, uh, the, in 2014, we beat Stanford in the semifinal and Virginia in the final. So it was a, a very difficult and similar path. Uh, but I think that the, um, the path to the final was very, very different between 2014 and 2018. Uh, equally um, <laughs> uh, enjoyable and um, stressful, but uh, the path was quite different. Now, this team seemed to have a perfect mix of homegrown and international players. Would you say it was it was difficult trying to get everyone to buy into your coaching philosophy, or did really the team just really come together in, in, in the way you guys wanted? I don't think that there's any difficulty in all of us finding the same page and uh, being philosophically um, in line with um, the, the way we want to play. The challenge this year was uh, so many international call-ups. And as you may know, uh, to start our season, the U-20 World Cup was going on. So we had three players, um, Jalen Howell for the U.S., Yuji Zhao for China, and Anna Patton for England, that were all playing the U-20 World Cup representing their countries. And each of their teams went out at different phases, and all three of those uh, players, in essence, missed all of uh, preseason and then we're introduced to our team as the season started. So with those three not being here for the beginning, and then Natalia Koita, our captain, being called into World Cup qualifications for Finland and missing uh, some games, and then after that, Gabriel Carl and um, Gloriana Villalobos uh, leaving us for some period um, to play in the CONCACAF region uh, World Cup qualifications. It was really a disjointed um, start to the season, and... You know, we're, we're all kind of joking. This is the truth. We didn't have our team picture with everyone together. We couldn't find a time to have it until the ACC tournament was around. And, wow. uh, and that means we went through our entire season, regular season, where at different times uh, we were able to get everybody together for a team picture. But we, we were able to get it together in the ACC tournament, which, of course, is just prior to the NCAA tournament. Right, so you were really able to have your full roster, your best team, at the right time of the year. And was was travel and everything else an issue as well in order to, to kind of get everybody together? Um, well, travel is a little bit of an issue. Of course, when the, the players are going back and forth to represent that country, there's a lot of travel that uh, goes with that. But, you know, the challenge for us is it seems as though every year, the end of our ACC schedule, we're on the road. 
And, um, you know, I think uh, for all of us um, at that point in the, the season, it's a really tough time because all of the schools, they're in exams. So, you know, we ended the ACC season with uh, a series of away games. And then, of course, uh, the ACC tournament. Uh, for us, it was at Duke and then back to Tallahassee and then back to Carolina for uh, the semifinal and the final and then uh, back again. So, um, you know, travel certainly plays a significant role. But the, the good news for us was that, you know, we did enough through the course of the season to earn a number one national seed, which allowed us to play at home through the course of the NCAA tournament. So all of the uh, early round games were played here in Tallahassee and our kids were able to be here and sleep in their own beds and, and so on. So, you know, it, the, the travel factor is a significant one, but maybe at the end of the day uh, with the NCAA tournament, it worked out quite, quite well for us. Now, in, in terms of recruiting, how were you and your staff able to, to bring in and attract such international talent like Dana Castellanos, like Yuji Zhao, Megan Connolly, big names like that? Well, certainly, uh, you know, you have to be willing to get on a plane and go and watch uh, players all over the world at different events. And uh, then it's a matter of uh, them looking and deciding whether or not this is the right school for them from an academic point of view, from a soccer point of view, from a cultural point of view, and so on. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we've had good luck in going out and identifying the right players and then um, taking those uh, players and helping them to develop to be the best they can, but also helping our team to develop into the best team that we can. And you were previously at the University of Hartford prior to this. You also had experience with the under-19 uh, women's national team for the United States. What was it about Florida State and Tallahassee that made it the right job and the right fit for you? Well, you know, I came down and I interviewed, and it was really clear to me that um, the athletic director was a visionary, and uh, his goal was comprehensive excellence, and that was the expression he used when I was here uh, 14 or 15 years ago. And uh, meaning, the meaning of all of it was simply they want to be really good at everything that they do. And uh, if you take a look here at uh, our, our teams, by and large, the teams are really good. Uh, last um, spring, our softball team uh, won the national championship, and uh, we, we happen to share a building with them. So uh, 25 steps down the corridor is the head coach of softball. So 2018 has been a pretty good uh, year for our building. Uh, but our, our beach volleyball team uh, played in the national final last year. Our track team has been uh, outstanding. Our basketball team, uh, both men and women, are very, very good. So I think that, um, you know, at the time, the athletic director was looking and saying, you know, we want to be really good at everything. And, you know, both our men's uh, sports and our women's sports uh, have been very, very competitive. And does Florida State seem like the kind of place where you could see yourself finishing your career? <laughs> Well, that's certainly uh, part of the hope and the goal. Uh, there have been a variety of opportunities that have come along where um, it's very flattering to have people express interest, but uh, certainly here at uh, Florida State, I've been very, very comfortable, and, um, and uh, my family is uh, comfortable here in Tallahassee as well. In, in terms of your prior coaching experiences, what were you able to take from those previous jobs to, to help you have this kind of success that you've had? At Florida State? 
Well, I think there are a lot of elements. My first college head coaching job was at Franklin Pierce, which was a Division II school. And as you probably know, at the Division II level, uh, oftentimes you have to be a jack of all trades. And, you know, you're helping in all kinds of different areas, uh, dealing with uh, the uniforms, dealing with the field, dealing with academic support, dealing with all of the different elements that go on in overseeing uh, all parts of it. Um, so for me, that was the beginning and the foundation. And what it gave me was a, a very good perspective of all of the elements necessary in order to uh, run a successful program. And it also gave me an opportunity to learn and fail and uh, learn from those failures uh, what does work and what doesn't work and, and then apply that information to future jobs. So after, um, let's see, that was 94-95, uh, we won two national championships at, at Pierce going undefeated and um, uh, then I had the opportunity to move to the University of Hartford which was and still is uh, you know, more of a mid-major um, but again, a new new opportunity, new challenge in trying to be successful at the Division One level, and fortunately, we were able to reach uh, certain levels of success, and then an opportunity to go into the first Women's U.S. Pro League and coach in, in the WUSA with the Philadelphia Charge, and probably at that level, it was an opportunity to understand what the best in the world look like, having the best Chinese players, having the best American players, and having great assistant coaches and um, understanding the, the game at a more elite level. And then a year with the U.S. national team, U19, and then, of course, uh, a long time here at Florida State. Now, you're coaching in such a strong soccer conference like the ACC. Does it add extra motivation to try and beat the Blue Bloods like North Carolina and establish Florida State as one? Or do you really just focus on your team and what you can control as a coach? Yeah, well, I don't worry too much about the others. Um, you know, we know that they're great programs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in this uh, conference that are really outstanding teams. And they're very, very well coached. Uh, um, certainly, we have uh, great respect for uh, what Carolina has done in the history that they've uh, created over over time, uh, but uh, it's not lost on us that uh, you know Steve Swanson and uh, the Virginia program is excellent, and uh, Robbie Church and the Duke program is excellent, and um, you know uh, Tony DeLuce and the Wake program is excellent. So, you know, I could go right down the list of many, many, many uh, groups here um, that I, I have a great deal of respect for within the conference and outside of the conference, and. I think uh, nothing speaks more more strongly about the level of the conference than to realize that, you know, it was two ACC teams playing in the final, and it was seven out of 16 teams playing in the Sweet 16 from the ACC. So I think, uh, you know, basically, if you, you just look at it uh, at, on face value, it's clear that, uh, you know, there's a great deal of strength in the conference. You mentioned leading up to the College uh, college Cup how battle-tested you guys were going in. Could you elaborate more on what it kind of means to play in the ACC and how that really benefited your team? We know every time out that we're going to have a really competitive game. And, you know, going into the NCAA tournament, uh, our path was, you know, ACC first-round game against Duke, second-round game against you know, Virginia. The final against Carolina, and all three of those teams are arguably 10 team, 10, top ten teams every year. So, you know, when you're going out and you're competing against those guys, 
you need to find a way to uh, be resilient and win, uh, or your the, the the class end for you. And uh, you've coached at pretty much every single level that there is, right? Professional and and college. Do you have any advice for all the female athletes out there who are trying to play in college and beyond? Um, well, follow your heart. I mean, take a look and decide uh, how important the game is. There's a right level for every kid out there. And, um, you know, it may or may not be a place like a Florida State. Uh, it may be a situation where you look and think that um, – you know, I'm a competitive, I want to play in college, I want to enjoy it, but there are other elements that are more important to me than just being the best player that I can be. So I think uh, going and watching, um, getting on the college campuses that are interesting for you, having a chance to interact with the coaches and their players and, and getting a feel and a vibe for you know what the culture of the team is. And if you do that, then I think your uh, opportunities to make the right choice are greater. And if you uh, don't do your homework, then I think we all know how that uh, oftentimes ends up. Again, that was Mark Krikorian of Florida State. Uh, really, what he was able to do twice now, right, to really establish Florida State as a national power uh, in a in a sport that has really been dominated by the ACC. But for him to break through twice, right, to beat Stanford and then beat an ACC opponent in the final. They did it against Virginia in 2014, and then uh, North Carolina in the final this year. So what Mark Corden and his staff have been able to do, right, the willingness to get on to get on a plane and recruit international talent, right? Dana Castellanos, you can only say so much about the kind of uh, recruiting get that that was for the program and how it's only going to pave the way for more uh, Latin American players to want to come play, right? Not only the weather is a bonus, but I mean, she's a was named a top 100 player in the Guardian, so a huge deal for that Florida State program, right? You're not going to see many college players make the top 100 list, but we know that the talent level is there with her. So, you know, that program is really only heading upward and uh, we'll see if they can go back to back but they will have a lot of seniors graduating we will see if they're able to reload and and build develop that those uh you know uh, lower classmen uh underclassmen excuse me so we'll see how it goes for florida state in this program but we wish them the best of luck and what they were able to achieve was really truly uh, a, a special accomplishment and now a word from our sponsors strikers elite Based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Strikers, Striker Elite develops confident, creative, and elite players in soccer and for life. After instructing players seeking to play at the highest level, Coach George Nahorski quickly recognized the need for an environment that helped these players excel at a rapid pace. That's where the creation of an academy that would specialize in training soccer players was born. Focusing on player development, the curriculum at Striker Elite emphasizes technical skills, tactical awareness, mental toughness, character, leadership, and confidence. They currently have U.S. Development Academy, ECNL, ODP, and college players at Striker Elite, as well as aspiring players seeking to play professionally. 
Strike Elite trainers are qualified and have extensive playing and coaching experience. Whether you're a club player looking to take your game to the next level and become a college or professional player, they will help you fulfill your goals. They provide elite one-on-one training, partner training, small group and team training, plus elite camps. For more information, go to www.strikerelitesoccer.com. Again, the the credentials with this staff are are tremendous. Coach George Nohorski, you know, was able to train at the Ajax Academy, which is world renowned for producing young talent. Um, and of course, we've teamed up with them. Our Tuesday Touches series has been going really, really well. And even this week, uh, on their Instagram story, they've been sharing uh, what I something I really enjoyed: so the top five dribblers of all time, and uh, some players to make the list. Right. With, with some highlight clips to go along with it. Pele, Maradona, Ronaldinho, um, some of the best to ever do it. So they keep putting out great content uh, on their page to help really anyone, primarily female soccer players, grow and develop their talent as best as they possibly can. So, you know, Striker Elite is the place to go for all of that stuff, and you definitely need to go check it out. Again, www.strikerelitesoccer.com. All right, as we move on to the next portion of our show, the W League has been in full swing, of course, the holiday period. They are they just finished up week eight, and uh, we've got two more NWSL players having an absolute blast. Our Women Crush Wednesday for the week was Yuki Nagasato, uh she pulled off and executed a tremendous goal uh this past weekend not this weekend but the weekend before a velvety smooth touch to take this ball down uh for the brisbane roar who are flying to the top of the table yuki is really playing at a high level and um obviously now that she's come to america she's got the opportunity to go to australia and uh doing really well Another player, Veronica Latsko. Uh, man, for the if you're the if you're a Houston Dash fan, you have to be very very excited um, about how she's playing. In tremendous goal scoring form, had two braces in back to back games, and then added a fifth goal in three games this past weekend against the Melbourne Victory. Um, she clearly loves it there. She's mentioned. Um, if you go to the W League website, they've got a story on her, and she's talked about the sense of camaraderie and how the team is playing for e- each other. They're playing together, and that it's really something new for her. Uh, that kind of gives you actually a little bit of an indication about how it's different from the Houston Dash and how um, the culture in that locker room could definitely be better despite the talent level. So. Um, she said she's never been a part of, of, of something like that, so that's an interesting take. But um, for Latsko, for her to be in the form that she's in, she's scoring goals all over the place, and it's something new every time she gets in behind the defense. Uh, you give her space in front of, if you get behind her, right, and you allow her space to shoot, she's scoring in that way as well. So a fun, fun player to keep your eye on. Uh, for the Houston Dash moving forward, and of course for Adelaide United, where she's at right now. Uh, Adelaide are hovering in that middle of the table, but a ton of goals being scored in the W League, that is for sure. Two other uh, Australian superstars who just hit some big, big uh, accolades. Uh, Lydia Williams has 100 games in the W League of Melbourne City, obviously a key cog in uh, 
the team that has won three straight W League titles. Of course, she is the Seattle Rain goalkeeper as well, so we know what she's capable of. And um, again, you could argue that she could have won goalkeeper of the season in the NWSL with how she played, but unfortunately it was not enough. Adriana French got the nod based on her just overall talent level, and, and she didn't even play the whole season. Um, Lisa Devana as well, uh, a flair player unlike any other really ahead of her time. She made her 100th appearance in the W League as well for, I believe, Sydney FC. So um, she's a player who's going to continue to do it at a high level um, in Australia. She may not be able to, to come abroad like she used to, but she's going to continue to do it in Australia. And, and it's obviously she's just a, such a fun player to watch on the ball, off the ball. Uh, but she is one of those dribblers who can take on your whole team and embarrass your whole team if you're not careful and you don't get a body on her. So hopefully we get one more highlight goal from her, or at least a couple more, uh, as, as the season rages on. Now, uh, a very interesting story um, out of the WSL in England. Uh, they are currently on break still. Um, they will be back in January, a lot of key fixtures coming up, right? Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City, all of them are at the top of the table, so they will be playing each other in some big, big games. But uh, Birmingham City goalkeeper and Katrine Berger, um, this is unheard of, male or female, diagnosed with thyroid cancer and made it back on the pitch within two months. I mean, really, where where do you hear of of such courage, such strength, to be able to come back that soon. I don't care what position you're playing, okay? To be able to to be able to do that, it takes a tremendous amount of strength um, and desire, just pure desire to want to get back on the field, to be determined enough to not let this, uh, you know, to not let cancer get in the way. Um, hats off to her. Uh, the German goalkeeper is just 27 years old and a key part of that team. So, you know, happy that she is back on the field and has been able to fight as hard as she's been able to fight. Another big, big accomplishment, Jessica Fishlock, longtime player of both the uh, Melbourne City FC and the Seattle Reign, was awarded an MBE, which in England, in the UK, it is such a big deal. It stands for the Member of the Most Excellent Order. Uh, recognized for her services to women's football and the LGBTQ community at a Buckingham Palace ceremony. I mean, that, that's as good as it gets, right? I mean, how, how awesome would that be, right? Like when you, if you were to go get knighted, right? You have the Sir Alex Fergusons of the world, uh, Sir Bobby Robsons, right? To, be, to either be knighted or um, to receive an MBE, OBE. Um, it's such a big, big deal. She's obviously critical in establishing Melbourne City's dominance of the W League. They've won three in a row, um, three straight championships, and she became the first player coach to win the W League in 2016-2017. So um, a tremendous accomplishment. It's been a long time coming for someone of her stature because she's been doing it in the game for such a long time. Hats off to Jessica Fishlock because, you know, she's also a fun, tough gritty player to watch in the midfield fiery passionate gives her all every time she's on the pitch and you and you can see it and you know it so 
uh, for someone who's done so much for the game and someone who really from very early on we knew um, was out in the LGBT community. She's really been one of those flag bearers and um, has really been an inspiration in, on that front as well. So again, hats off to her and what she's been able to do for the game. And when it's all said and done, you better believe um, if she's already been a player coach, she's probably going to be on the sidelines managing some team. Who knows? I mean, she probably would be the favorite to take over the Wales uh, women's national team. That would be quite the story um, for them. So, yeah, we'll see what um, what is next in store for Jessica Fishlock. But, you know, still only 31, 32 years old, still has a tremendous amount of time ahead of her to be able to play. So still some of the best years ahead of her for sure, without a doubt. Okay, it is time for a word from our second sponsor, Topical Gear. Topical Gear was formed in 2011 by a team of professionals from the orthopedic sports medicine field. Collectively, this team has over two centuries of knowledge in athletic training, biomechanics, product development, manufacturing, orthopedic sports medicine, arthroscopy, and the pioneering of products in the sports medicine market. Their team is constantly on the field or in the gym getting feedback directly from parents, players, coaches and athletic trainers as part of their continuing effort to develop products that help increase female athletes performance while keeping them healthy all of their products are backed by professional published research and tested by real athletes at both the high school and college level all you soccer players parents and other athletes out there go to www.compressioninmotion.com and check out the t25 knee along with other shoulder and ankle products all right, we head to the social media and lifestyle portion of our show. We got a lot going on. Um, really, uh, some big, big stories. One, of course, Mary Harvey. Got to give a shout out to to one of the first, a pioneer for uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. She was the first U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper. Won the inaugural 1991 World Cup and the first Olympic gold medal in 1996. Um, she's preparing to move to Switzerland from the United States to serve as the chief executive of Center for Sport and Human Rights. So to make that transition, obviously, human rights has been a big issue uh, in the world of soccer. And she's hoping that um, the governing bodies adopt some of FIFA's newfound commitment to making compliance on labor and discrimination issues central to whether a country can host a major event. And obviously, this is in reference to the 2022 World Cup that is coming up in, in Qatar. And, um, you know, some, some of the stuff that has gone on there, it will be a highly publicized World Cup. It's unfortunate that, honestly, it was allowed to continue, in, in my opinion, because what, what people were allowed to do out there in order to... You know, this is when, obviously, Sepp Blatter and, and so many other of the corrupt FIFA officials were involved in this decision. How else would Qatar get a World Cup in 2022? They threw a ton of money at the organization, and it stuck. Because, again, Qatar does not have the infrastructure to be able to make that event happen in the first place. They're building stadiums on stadiums that are, again, never going to get used. The same thing happened in Brazil at this World Cup, Right. So many different stadiums have been used for those three or four games. Millions and millions of dollars have been pumped into those, into these organizations, into these stadiums, excuse me. And 
and then they get cast aside. But not only that, the reason why it is there's a commitment to making compliance on labor and discrimination issues is because this Qatar World Cup will be built on the backs of people who have unfortunately lost their lives. I mean, they haven't even... You're looking at players who would... Excuse me, not players, workers who are going to provide better opportunities for their families, going to Qatar to to send money back to their families. And the second they get there, you have their identity taken from them, whether it's their passport or other forms of identification. No real contract system, right? So it's almost borderline slavery probably is and the fact that you know these like people have died trying to make this world cup happen and no one has been able to step in and do anything uh so it's it's really unfortunate that that this world cup is still going on so mary harvey you know for for her to be the chief executive for her to be on the front lines we really hope that you know this never happens again and that she what what she's going to be doing for for soccer in general, um, you know, that she can make a big impact on this front. Another huge story um, on from a European perspective, right, in terms of UEFA and women's soccer in Europe, uh, they have agreed on a seven-year deal with Visa as the first sponsor of UEFA women's football, and it deserves the celebratory tone with which it was unveiled. This is a groundbreaking deal, people. Um, again, the uh, head of women's football in UEFA, Nadine Kessler, said the aim is to uh, the aim is to assign a clear value to women's football. At the day, it's not about the monetary value; it's about showing people this game has value. This is the message we try to send out. Um, this deal is the biggest uh, the biggest deal to date in terms of accelerating growth for the women's game. Uh, Unbundling the rights to women's football from the men's uh, will mean that UEFA will truly be able to measure the growth of of the women's game, so that more sponsorship deals can be signed. Um, you know, it's huge because it shows that there is money in this sport, and once the money is there, um, that's when the game is going to take off, right? And uh, all it's going to take is for the right sponsors to join in and soon enough hopefully right once they start to see how marketable our players are in america in america's league right and american sponsors like coca-cola uh coca-cola pepsi you know the big brand names get in there right other other banks and credit card companies chase uh citibank if they can get in there in that market uh, the game is going to grow exponentially and a lot sooner than we would have hoped. So it's starting in Europe, right? A seven-year deal with Visa is huge for the game. And uh, we hope that uh, it's only a matter of time before more sponsorship deals get signed in America because, again, that's how this game will continue to grow repeatedly. And, uh, yeah, big, big deal for women's football uh thrilled about it so visa thank you for starting this off and being that first organization to really get us going and uh we'll see if if, if it continues to to grow in this manner something i noticed on social media uh alex morgan was out with ali long playing pickup games together we know ali long likes uh, to play in that environment uh part of under the lights and in the dark gwendolyn oxenham's book um was something that I noticed about how Ali Long um, will 
play in men's pickup leagues out in Long Island, out in Queens, and now teaming up with Alex Morgan. I don't believe they were in Queens this time. They were out in somewhere in California on the beach where it's nice and warm. But uh, still, um, two players who are obviously not on the same NWSL team, but good friends. And um, it was nice to see them uh, together uh, playing some little pickup footy. Sam Kerr. And uh, we pointed this out on Instagram. Uh, we got a very special post about it. But she got her own signature shoe, y'all. Can you believe this? I mean, seriously, it's a huge win. It's a huge W for women's soccer and women's sports. We need more of this. We need more players, um, right? Because the only player who who you could really think of who has all the endorsement deals possible is Serena. And that's tennis. You know, that's an individual sport. But in terms of team sports, right, we need um, more players to be awarded and recognized Um for their contribution. And Sam Kerr, you know, has been heavily involved in fashion um, for quite some time. And for her to get her own signature shoe, uh, it's so huge. Uh, all of her accomplishments are written on the laces. So um, she's won so many Young Player of the Year awards and so just so many awards, period. Um, it's They may need to make some more room. Uh, on on the shoe itself but more on that is on our instagram account so be sure to go check it out sam kerr you are doing great things we love you and um keep it up our uh, passion player of the month for december was just named sammy d'ambrosio uh she's been writing she's jo joined girls soccer network as a writer been putting out a lot of content for those who are soccer players looking to earn a a college scholarship um, or looking to commit to a university. She just committed to Emerson College and got all that finalized. So congratulations to her. She's, again, been writing um, a lot of different types of stories for us and uh, someone who can, you know, surely um, it's nice to have that fresh perspective on um, having someone uh, who you can refer to who's able to take that transition and work hard throughout you know middle school high school in order to to earn um that college scholarship so again congratulations to her and um she is rightfully the passion player of the month for december on girls soccer network of course go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com and find out more or again our social media pages as well instagram at girls soccer network twitter account is at girls soccer net All right, in closing, uh, with it being the end of 2018, I wanted to touch on a topic that is uh, important to me, something that I feel like applies not just to soccer, but uh, to real life, and it's getting to that time of the year where everyone's starting to set their own New Year's resolutions and how setting goals can really play into that. And I'm going to be real for a second. Like I was never big on setting goals originally but I cannot stress to you how important it is no matter what age you are no matter who you are no matter what it is that you want to achieve setting goals literally just writing them down is so important having the courage to put it from your brain to paper right having the courage to be able to do that means you're ready to make a change and, and really making uh, an improvement and an effort to try and better yourself in in whatever aspect of life that may be uh, I look back for the first time 
you know, in at the end of 2017, going into 2018, I wrote down some goals, and and I was so pleased to look back on 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 what I had done and see what I did achieve, what I didn't achieve, what I could uh, look to to work on. But the bottom line is this: no matter what it is that you want to do, right? Whether it's you want to uh, be just become a better soccer player, whether you want to make it, become a college soccer player, whether you want to set a a you know, a list on how many goals, assists, in terms of stats, no matter what it may be. You know, maybe spending some more time with your family, connecting more with friends and family, no matter what it is, right? As long as you continually work towards those goals, so many incredible opportunities are going to come your way. And I took it took me way, way too long to realize this because some of the goals I was able to achieve, and obviously that in itself is a great feeling, but to be able to, I realize, you know, you really realize the process, the process within trying to get to those goals, you learn so much about yourself. You develop all these new skills, a newfound confidence, right? Just from literally putting in the effort, putting in the work, right? To become not just good, but really good, even great at something. Again, no matter what that is, I'll refer to, to Carly Lloyd, right? It's the holiday season. In her book, all she talked about, right, was no matter what, you're not going to outwork me. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, she's out there training, working. Am I saying not to spend time with your family? Of course you should, but you have the opportunity to make that choice, to be disciplined enough and make it your priority no matter how bad you want it. That's the key thing. You have to really want it. If 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 you're miserable while doing it right, then maybe you got to find a different way to go about it. But if you really want it that bad, you have the choice and the power to say, "Okay, it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas." Of course, I'm going to spend the whole day with my family, but take that extra half an hour to an hour. Just set it aside and get that little training session in any training session. You're going to progress. You're going to do something. You have an opportunity to grow. So do not waste those opportunities, man. Don't make that excuse of, oh, it's Christmas Eve. Oh, it's Christmas. I, I sh you know, I don't have to work out or I don't have to train. You can do it. It's all up to you. And you have that ability if you just are willing to put in the time, I can guarantee you, you know, we've had Olivia Moultrie on this show. She's determined to be the best, whether she's training or not. I can guarantee you she's going to have a ball with her doing something, no matter how cold it is, no matter what she's doing, she's going to be doing something soccer related. I can guarantee you that. So, uh, yeah, really the power of writing your goals down. I'm telling y'all, if you want to have a better year, it really starts there and you can constantly look back to it. And then from there, you can make a plan on how you want to get better um, in any in any shape or form. And, of course, if that's soccer, right, we're happy to help, right? Girls Soccer Network, that's, that's our job. That's what we love to do. Everyone involved with the organization, we just want to help you get better. So whatever it takes, right, whatever it takes, if, if, if you have that priority, that mindset to get better day in and day out, good things are going to happen opportunities will come your way so do not forget that and of course with it being the last episode of 2018 just want to give a quick quick shout out to some of the people working behind the scenes jen danny melissa thank you guys so much for for just giving me this platform and giving me this opportunity um i'm so 
incredibly grateful that we've got, you know, this is episode nine. Hopefully we have many, many more to come. But it's been a great year in 2018. And obviously, you know, they work so hard behind the scenes. Um, they're doing everything they possibly can to help this thing grow. And it's and it's growing, man. I mean, 2018 was a great great year for us at girls soccer network we are so grateful for all of you uh, who are listening who are tuning in who are downloading uh subscribing to our newsletter you know following us on twitter and instagram everybody you are amazing teamwork make the dream work and uh, we are so grateful um so with that being said the last episode of 2018 thank you so so much course give and go is presented in partnership with listening party the creators of family fm follow the crew on instagram at listening party presents and at canal street market again thank you so much guys uh for what's been a tremendous nine episodes so far in 2018 and we hope to continue to do this for as long as we possibly can uh again give and go man we're available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Get us wherever you can. And, of course, our podcast page as well, directly on www.girlssoccernetwork.com. And I am your host, Rotas Widera, and thank you so much for listening to us at Girls Soccer Network. Have a happy holidays and a happy new year as well. See you all in two weeks. Peace. <laughs>